Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Good morning. That was kind of weak, I'm going to be honest with you. Good morning. morning. That's better, man. This is excitement. This is good stuff today. I mean, that song, how can it be, man? I just, I just, I just you know, we could, I just feel like I'm in the shower singing. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's, that's how it rolls right there for me. Uh, today, if you're here for the first time, we're glad you're here. My name is Jason Kilby. I'm the lead pastor here at Centerpoint. And uh, it's just a privilege and an honor to have a lot of people here this morning. And just, honestly, we're going to experience something. We're going to be a witness. And you're going to hear that word a lot here in a minute uh, as we just dive into the word of God. Um, but just to bring you up to speed, where we've been for the last six weeks uh, on a little sermon series called The Storymaker. And The Storymaker basically is, 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 is about Jesus. You know, it, without Jesus, we really don't have a story. To be quite honest, it's, it's more just about more of ourselves. It's more or less about, you know, false stretching stories, about fishing stories, if you remember some of those. You know, that's just what we get into. But the truth of the matter is this. We all have a story when we say, I do. Meaning, not just marriage, but like saying, I do surrender to the Almighty King. And when that happens, when that moment happens, your story becomes a vibrant, breathing, living opportunity to be a witness for a lot of things to happen. Again, that's twice I've said it, so keep, keep, keep tabs on how many times we say this word today because it's, it's a crucial part of what we're trying to communicate this morning. You know, here's what we've, we've learned and, and in the aspect of the story maker, what we think is our story is, is really only a part of our story. A lot of us come in here with bags. A lot of us come in here with baggage. And we say, you know what, I can't do this or I can't do that simply because of my past. And what you need to hear this morning is what we think is our story is only a part of our story. You have a future with Jesus if you say, I do. And if we put Jesus in the center of our story, it begins to birth a story that produces life, life everlasting, that multiplies, a life that multiplies and starts to run rapid. And honestly, it's a story. It's a story that is worthy of telling. You see, this series has been laser focused on one thing. It's it's been focused on one thing and one thing only. And honestly, this is what it's focused on. It's you. It's really just you. Do you have a religious story or a relationship story? Let me say it again. Do you have a religious story or a relationship story? A lot of us in this area, especially where I grew up in, this is where my hometown is. This is it, Danville, Kentucky. I know a lot of people that we grow up in church and and we say, you know, this is my story. And and I accepted Christ when I was two. Okay, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying, tell me your relationship story then. Tell me who Jesus is to you, and you're going to stumble around the block. And if you can't tell me who that is, maybe, maybe you just don't have a story. Maybe you've played the story because it was grandma's story, and it got passed on to your mother, and now it's got passed on to you. It's just what we do. We, we tell stories. We're good at telling stories. But the truth is, 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 do you have a story? Is it a religious story or is it a relationship story? Have you shared your story this week where you work, you live, and you play? Have you, have you shared your story in Jesus? As, remember, a simple story is a powerful story when Jesus is at the center of it. And this is what I said last week, and I'll reiterate it one more time. I believe with all my heart 
with all my heart that in order for this movement, this movement of, of Jesus to continue to be passed on to the next generation, we don't just need another church. We don't just need more pastors. We don't need another worship service. We don't need another sermon. Definitely not another sermon. What we need is you. What we need is you to believe in the power of your story in Christ Jesus. And when that happens, it's almost like you're coming alive for the very first time. And when you believe in your story, hear these words, when you believe in your story in Jesus, not just something fictitiously, you know, it's been passed on, but you believe in it. And you stretch out your arms like in the book of Acts, Acts 4.29, when the, when the boys got out of, out of prison, the first thing they did, they believed in their story in Jesus. They were told not to preach, and they went out and did it anyway, and they just stretched out their arms in faith, and they said, Jesus, help us. It was the most boldest prayer, first recorded prayer in the Bible in Acts 4.29, and it just give us boldness to testify, to tell your love. Do you have faith like that this morning? Do you have that type of Acts 4.29 when just to stretch out your hands in a prayer of boldness and believe what is happening to you? You see, Jesus, when he does that, he shows up. When Jesus starts to, 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 to answer that type of prayer, he shows up and he does the supernatural, whatever you're asking for, as long as you do the natural. He does the supernatural as long as you do the natural, which is be obedient to him. And then the beautiful thing happens. We're a witness. And other people start to witness. And then it just starts to multiply. And it starts to go crazy. And, it, and, it, and it's so amazing when that stuff starts happening because it, life starts to change. And, and, and we've read through the book of John multiple times over the past three months. And, and we've gotten to this, 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 this picture today. And I just want to just to pull something out here that's just really important. And so if you got your word, John chapter 4 is where we're heading. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's where we're going. So if you got your Bible, and if you need a Bible, here's my daily infomercial. There's Bibles in the back, and those are there for you to take. Take home, and just if you need, know, know somebody that needs a Bible, just grab one and take it. We just, we just want to get those in many hands as possible. If you've if you got your cell phones out, I know you're not texting or playing uh, you know, Clash of Clowns or whatever those things are. You know, I, I know you're not doing that or playing solitary. If you're doing that, I'm going to smack you. You know, so it's one of those things. But if, if, you're, if you've got your you version of the Bible, man, it's a great thing. I, would, I just want you, to, I want you just to highlight some things here this morning as we dive into John, John chapter 4. Verses 19 and following. We're going to just pick this story up. And so let me just help you understand a little bit of this story. You might have heard this story if you grew up in church. And, and basically what we have here is, is Jesus is, is kind of hot and he, and he sends his disciples into town. And when he sends his disciples into town, they're out shopping, doing whatever. They're telling, they're telling their story. They're being a witness. And what takes place is he's thirsty. So Jesus goes to the well. He's, he's, he wants something to drink. And so he, he sort of sits down beside the well. And then all of a sudden, this is high day, noon. This is noontime. And all of a sudden, there's a woman who starts to come up. And she's from, you know, she's a Samaritan. And, and not only she's a Samaritan, she's a woman. And so Jesus is not supposed to be hanging out with Samaritans. But number two, she's not supposed to be hanging out with a woman. And he's a Messiah. And he's definitely not supposed to be hanging out with, with, with people like that. 
And so that just sets the stage of where we're at. And so the story goes back and forth, back and forth. And like, what are you doing here? Well, what are you doing here? You can almost see this, this picture coming out. And Jesus is like, I want something to drink. And it was like, well, you don't have anything. You don't have a pitcher. To, you don't have anything to dip the water. It's kind of deep. And he's like, duh, I know you do. So give me something. You know, he's like, but, you know, I have something that you need. I have something that you need. You ain't got nothing I need. And he's like, oh, chick, listen up. You know, you can almost see that, and if you don't read the Bible that way, read the Bible that way. It's fun. It's fun to just start to read it in a way that just brings life out, and this is what happens. He starts to go into details. Like, Listen, woman, how's her woman? He said, I know who you are. He's like, well, how do you know who I am? He said, well, tell me about your husband. He tries to talk about the husband. He said, yeah, tell me about the other five husbands you got going on. And she's like, Huh? Well, clearly you're a prophet. Clearly you, you know some things or someone has told some things or there's some gossip going around town, but I don't know who you are. Man, they, they have talked about the one to come that knows everything. And all of a sudden he says, <laughs> that's me. Nice to meet you, Jesus. Now then, let's pick it up. John chapter 4 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But the Jews claim that, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. In verse 21, it says, Jesus declared, here it is. What's this word? Believe. We've said it together, just Believe. Come on, come on, come on with me. Come on. Believe. Thank you. One more time. Strong. Let's do it all together. Believe. There we go. Believe me, woman. A time is coming. A time is coming when, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. I love it. It's beautiful. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, check it out, here it is, 23. Yet a time is coming, a time is coming, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in what? Truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the fathers seek. God in spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, the woman said, I know, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. You can almost sense the trembling in her voice. She, he'll explain everything. I, I, I get what you're saying, dude, and I believe, and I, I, I know and it's about truth, and it's, it's about one thing. It's about focusing on God, and, and I know that, and I know I'm living in sin, and I, and I know I need to change, and I know I need to worship, but, you know, we do this worship, and you do this worship, and we all have our own type of worship, but I'm telling you right now, Jesus is sitting there going, it's me. He's right here in front of us. He's right here amidst us. He's like, it's me. And all of a sudden he does this. Then Jesus declares, I who speak to you am he. And I don't know exactly. It doesn't really go into detail because the disciples come back and they sort of run the moment. 
They're like, hey, Jesus, what's up? Oh, hey, you're not supposed to be talking to her. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, why don't you go over here? You're not supposed to be hanging out with my Jesus. I can almost sense her during that moment of confession and just realizing coming to life and truth and she just falls to her knees. You can almost sort of picture because she has tremble in her voice and when you get to the, I'm falling on my knees. When we fall to our knees, there's a moment of, of clarity for us. It's, just, it's like what we're getting ready to do in here. We're going back to old school days, not to where man pulls you back up, but when you fall to your knees and you surrender to the one true king and you bow down, not to, not to man, but you go down under with the Holy Spirit and you come out a new creation. You see, baptism is about that. And that's what just basically took place without even a baptism. Even though they was near some water, they could have sprinkled if they wanted to. I'm okay with that. I really am, to be honest with you. I just think you got to confess and you, you got to acknowledge. You have to believe, as it says. So let's skip forward because the disciples sort of ruined the, this intimate moment between Jesus and this woman. And so, you know, she just, she sort of leaves everything. She's so fired up and she goes back to the town and she starts to tell everybody. She starts to tell the experience that she just had with Jesus. She starts to proclaim. She's going public. She's becoming a... A witness, okay, it's five times now. So she's becoming a, yeah, and she's going crazy, man. She's telling everybody she's a woman. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes, you know, we, we, I, I, I just got in trouble. And so it's one of those moments, it's one of those moments of clarity when you believe with all your heart and you just go all in and you say, man, I have just met the Messiah I know we've talked about him for years, and I know this is recorded throughout history, and, and we've, we've talked about him. My grandmother's talked about him, and my great-grandmother talked about him, and, and Betty Lou talked about him, and all these people have talked about him, but today I met him at the water well. You've got to come and see. You've got you to come and see this. I'm telling you, it, this has changed my life. He said, I don't have to draw from this well no more. The only thing I was supposed to do is to believe in him and I will thirst no more is what he said. And he also started talking about my life. He knew everything. He knew, the, he knew that I was caught. He knew I was stuck in some sin. He knew I was doing some things that were not holy, that were not godly. He knew. He knew them all. He knew all five of them, he knew everything. And in verse 39, it says this. It says many. It says many of the Samaritans from the town, from that town, believed in him because of the woman's what? Testimony. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves and we know and we know that this man really is the savior of 
the world. The gospel. For God so loved the He gave his one and only son, Jesus. You see, there's some people, there's some people who, who got to walk with Jesus, who got to see Jesus. And, and the sad truth is we don't physically get to see Jesus, but we get to be a witness of his Holy Spirit. We get to be a participant in the movement You see, in any century, back then or today, our response to Jesus is the same. We confront our true selves. We have to meet Jesus somewhere in our story. We experience Jesus' amazing love. We have the choice to either accept it or reject it. And then we share the news with others. That is the gospel. The story maker at its essence. And that's how the gospel continues to move today. See, the beautiful thing about the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is they all arrive at the same conclusion. They all arrive at the same conclusion, even though they all have their own story. And it's it's an unbelievable story. It's an unbelievable story. Seriously, think about it. The the truth is that it's an unbelievable, believable story. It's an unbelievable, believable story. And here's, here's why. Those who are sitting right here on the front row, those guys with blue shirts on here today, we, we do not believe here, I'm gonna draw some tension in the room as soon as I say this statement, and, and it's okay because I want you to hear this. We do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead just because the Bible told us so. We we do not believe here at Centerpoint that Jesus rose from the dead just because the the B-I-B-L-E is the book for me. It's way better than that. It's so better than that. No, we believe because the same reason of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who were all eyewitnesses that that walked with Jesus before his death and saw his death. And then you got James. James, the brother of Jesus, the one who did not follow at the time when Jesus was, I mean, I I say this kind of often. I mean, what do you have to do to convince your brother that you're the son of God? I mean, seriously. I mean, James didn't follow Jesus while he was walking and doing all these crazy miracles. No, it took something radically seriously. Like he saw his death, he saw him in the tomb, and all of a sudden James is back home doing the dishes, and all of a sudden Jesus appears, and he's like, Jesus, I I am, give me a high five. You know, what do you say at that moment? I believe, yeah. I'm all in. What do you want me to do? I just want want you to tell your story, James. I want you to, I want you to, what should I call it? Where do you want me to put it? In the Bible that we're going to record some documents. I just want you to start recording this stuff because it's going to be really important for your story, James. Your story is going to be really powerful because you didn't believe in me, but now you believe in me. And I want you to be in charge of the church in Jerusalem. And James, I want you to, man, this is going to be a great story. What should I call it? What should I call it? Well, I want you to just call it the book of James. It's a great idea, Jesus, I'll do that. Look at James. 
to story. What about this one? What about Paul? This guy was a Christian killing machine and he hated people who followed Jesus. His story was he became a Jesus follower. And if you, and if you want to know why he believed or why we believe, it's not because those guys wrote amazing letters and put them into a document called the Bible. It's, it's so much more. We know that the Roman Empire was a huge empire during the time. And during that time, on Jesus, when Jesus was here, there were, there were a few who decided to follow God's plan. There's just a few move, movement just going on. There's just a few people following in his footsteps. And one of those guys was a crazy, wild-haired guy who, who in today's modern times, if we just want to draw a picture or an analogy, I know this is a horrible analogy, but this is to be truthful. I love this guy, and he's, I know him, so I can use this as an example. And let's just go with the turtle man. I mean, this is, the, this is who this guy is. This is the type of character. He's a wild-haired, crazy guy, that, and he just, he's just going crazy. That's John the Baptist. That's who this guy is. He is John the Baptist. And he's just out there baptizing left and right. He's preaching about Jesus. He's preaching about things to come. And one day, one day while he was preaching in the Jordan Valley, there was many religious leaders came to hear this man's amazing message, which was a simple message, but it was a very clear message. And it was three words, repent, repent, repent. That was his message. That was it. They questioned him. The religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they questioned him and asked him if he was the Messiah. And he clearly said, no, but he is on his way. And while John was preaching in that river, he began to do something kind of crazy. And it's a word that we have become, we have been knowledgeable about now because I've preached on it three or four times, and it's a word called baptizo. It's the Greek word. Why don't we say it together? Baptizo. That's not bad. Say it a little bit louder. Come on. Baptizo. Very good. You learned Greek today. And so you can go home and be proud of yourself. You can put it on the refrigerator. Uh, Baptizo. Baptizo. He started to do something that was kind of crazy. No one had ever seen it before. He's like, let's just, if we're going to follow Jesus, let's this, let's this, this, this. Like, oh, I did. Let's baptize people. Boom, boom. And he's just baptized. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And, then, you know, Jesus, all of a sudden, Jesus walks up. He's like, that's a good idea. That's an amazing idea. Hey, John, he shows up, and John just, like, yeah, hey, hey, Jesus, you're here. Um, I just decided, yeah, we just, we, um, if we're going to be followers of you, we just decided to baptize people, and it's a good, he goes, I know, and it's a great idea. You need to baptize me. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. He said, no, no, no. G- John, if you're doing this, I have to be obedient too. I need to set the example because I am the example. Please baptize me. And from that moment on, Jesus goes under. And it's so dramatic. It's so dramatic in the gospel. And if you don't read in your Bible, man, pick it up. It is really cool. He, it's just so dramatic. The, the man who they call Jesus shows up in the pages of history and walks down beside him and asks to be baptized. And then as soon as he's baptized, a dove falls down and a voice is heard all over the place. It's like those sirens, you know, when the tornado horn sirens are going off. It's just like here all of a sudden, here comes this big, huge voice. Ooh, and it's just like, this is my son 
who I am well pleased with. And everybody, man, there was like, You know what's going on? Immediately as soon as this happened, everybody knew. Everybody was a witness because they couldn't shut up about what they just saw. And it started the movement. It started something, and the crowd started to follow. You talk about we got like some popular people here today, and we think they're kind of popular. They ain't got nothing on Jesus. I mean, they really don't. They really don't. I mean, if he was on Facebook or Twitter, he would have a lot of followers. Like instantly, can you imagine Jesus tweets something? You know how many likes that instantly gets? I mean, think about it in today's concept. Just be real with that. It's like, boing, a billion hits, just like that. It's crazy to think about. Huge crowds started following Jesus everywhere he went. And if you've never read the Gospels, thumb through the book of Mark for me. Thumb through the book of Mark and start to Google this word. Record the word crowds. Look up the word crowds and just see where the word crowds show up. It's just like the crowds are here. The crowds are there. They're, they're everywhere. He couldn't even go to the bathroom because somebody was like, wow, this is awesome. We're just around Jesus. Let's turn around. Let's give him some privacy. You know, and he's like, come on. And he, he did things. He, he walked across the, the water. He was just trying to escape from the crowds because they just wanted to cling to every single word. They wanted to be in his presence. They wanted to be a witness what was happening next. Everywhere he went, he did crazy things. He was in love with, the, with his people because he fed them. He healed them. He loved them by teaching them parables, which are kind of confusing, by the way. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they're still kind of confusing today. Even his beloved disciples who, who walked with him everywhere would, would hear these parables, and after hearing them, they would, say, they would all gather and say, that was amazing. Did you, that was amazing. Yeah, give me half five. They're just going crazy. This is amazing. What did it mean? I have no idea. So they had to follow him more to understand. They had to follow, and they, they would bring it back up. So what did you mean by this, Jesus? He's like, I'm glad you asked. You see, his teachings were sometimes against the religious ways of the day. They, they were sometimes hard to follow. And sometimes they developed tension between his followers and what, what they knew Jesus was asking of them because it was hard to follow Jesus. Because it meant Jesus had to do one thing. He must increase in me and I must decrease. And that is hard for us. Come on. Ain't got nobody saying amen to that one. It's true. You know when you're guilty. You know when he must start to increase if you're going to start to bask in the glory because you have to decrease. Disciples knew it too. You see, these crazy stories are happening all over the place. The story maker is beginning to do things people can't really explain other than by a legendary story named Jesus is doing things. First one, Water into wine, he made wine blush, right? Amazing story. Interesting. Uh, there's some people who can do that. He started healing the sick without even seeing them. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give him, you know, he took some antibiotics. Lame person can't walk. Well, you know, not bad. Some people could just put a cane on and just get up. No one's ever challenged him. Walking on water, okay, we can see, that, you know, there's some people now that just put some rubber booties on and floaties and, you know, and they just walk across and do this little thing like that. Yeah, it's not that hard to do, Jesus. We can, we, somebody else can do that. Healing the blind men, wait a minute, that one stumped them all. 
because they all knew. We knew, we, we, we've been talking about this for weeks. You know, so tell me again, how did you get healed? All I know, I was blind, met Jesus, now I can see. That's it. If you question that story any more time, I'm going to slap you. That's what the, the blind man was doing. He just like, I, I would prefer to be going back to blind. I, I just, I can't, I'm sick and tired of seeing because you guys, you won't accept it. You won't accept that I can see now for the very first time. That one stumped him. But the one that got him, the one that got the religious people of the time was this one, the big one. Healing a dead man named Lazarus. You can only, only imagine what the crowds did at this moment. I mean, Jesus, like, he, he's all dramatic. He, he doesn't just, like, go heal him right instantly. He waits three days, and then start to, you know, the King James Version says, it stinketh. Don't roll the tomb away. No, it stinketh. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I got this. Pull the stone away. Lazarus, come on out. And they're like, man, this is going to be so, you can see the disciples, this is not going to be good. Man, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, they're just, they're just display, all of a sudden, he starts to do the, the mummy hop. You remember that? I mean, what would you do? If you were in witness, what would you do? You see a mummy hopping, and you know that that man was dead. You would go ape nuts. I mean, you would be going crazy. You'd be like, you ain't going to believe what I just witnessed. I mean, there's a, there's a dead man in the stone, and he stunk, and all of a sudden he come hopping out, and all of a sudden he's, he's talking to me, and I saw him. I got to touch him. He's his skin. His real skin is not fake skin, and I know he was dead, and I can't explain this. But I'm a witness. You're going to tell everybody. You, you, and you, and, and you, not even if you don't believe in Jesus, you saw a dead man come alive. Story maker. It started to go crazy. The crowds got bigger. They went wild. The religious ones during the time, the government began to plot against Jesus because they, they were afraid. They were afraid of, they were scared. They felt threatened because of the amazing stories being told and thousands of followers who were coming in and the crowds, they started to grow even larger. From there, they captured Jesus and eventually falsely charged Jesus. They beat Jesus. They crucified Jesus and they finally kill Jesus. The interesting part of that whole plot, it's like a story in motion. It was, some people call it a tragedy. But the tragedy in the book or the story was a strategy. It wasn't a tragedy. It was a strategy, and Jesus made it happen. He was obedient to death, and we know the rest of the story. Two men who were not even followers of Jesus, the rest of his disciples flee. Two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they take his body and they bury it. A couple days later, that old faithful hymn that I grew up with, up from the grave he arose. Man, I remember singing that on Easter Sunday. He did. Two women, two women go to the tomb and find an empty tomb. From that point on, the story grows and grows and grows and grows. You know why? Because they were witnesses because they witnessed something unbelievably believable he went around teaching and he was going to do this he went around prophesizing he was going to do this and it was unbelievable because he did it but it's believable because he's not there 
the crowds once again actually get to encounter Jesus and his disciples were able to meet him, love him, and get excited and get that fire back inside of them. And over 500 people, what the, what the Bible teaches, were able to see, touch, hear his voice and it started the movement of unbelievable portions. See, how do you stop a crowd that has seen a risen dude? The government couldn't. The government couldn't even find his body. You see, the story maker, the story maker's truths are becoming a full-blown movement of believers everywhere because of one thing, Jesus. Jesus' story. See, Jesus' story is a story that is unbelievable, believable, not because the Bible tells us so, not because of his amazing teachings, not because of other things that he did, but because what happened on the third day, and it was called the resurrection. Yet still people, still people find it hard to believe in Jesus. But here, 2,000 years later, we are gathered here for worship because of one thing, they were witnesses. They were witnesses who recorded it and have passed it on. When we accept Christ as the author and perfecter of our faith, the editor of our story, we become a witness as well. And our story has to do one thing in order for it to move around the world and throughout history, we have to go public with our story. We have to go public with our story. You see, our story is his story. We were once dead, but now we are alive if we believe. And when we tell your story, not a book, but the real story of how Jesus has moved you, how, how you have felt Jesus in your presence, in your life, through that Holy Spirit movement, how you believe with everything that you are that Jesus is, Jesus did, and Jesus will do what he said he was going to do with his promises, then the movement continues with the same fire and passion as those who began the movement 2,000 years ago. What if we today declared we would run the same race with the same amount of passion and fire and belief as those who first witnessed Jesus after the resurrection? Well, it would be unbelievable, believable. But the truth is, we're all witnesses. We're all witnesses. It's whether or not you want to accept it and go tell the story of Jesus. Today, we get to baptize people. You're going to be a witness. You're going to hear their story. And it's an unbelievable, believable story of grace, mercy, and most importantly, love. So for you and for all of us, just like the story of the woman at the well, I hope you encounter Jesus. And I don't know what walk of life you're on, whether or not you're living in completely sin and you're just like, you know what, I can't do this. He already knows. He already knows. I want you just to believe in the power of his love and heal everything. And it can start something fresh, something new, something bold.